Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com. So you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. It's Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. Today is part two of an amazing two-part interview with retired Air Force Major Mark Noon who's now actively involved with a great organization called Leadership 10, located in the Florida Panhandle area. Now, if you missed any of the prior episode, you need to go back and listen to it and catch up. Because Mark was just fabulous in that part of the interview, and he's sharing things we just don't have the time to go back and cover again. So I encourage you to go back and listen to it and get caught up. But Mark's organization is called Leadership 10. It's located in the Florida Panhandle area. And Leadership 10 is an organization helping leaders, typically between the ages of 25 and 40, living in that area in business development and leadership. He's coached and spoken before more than 270 organizations located in 43 states about leadership development and is also the author of a great book titled Setup, which we'll be getting more into today. All right, now let's jump back into this great interview and the conclusion of the interview with Mark Noon. What are the three types of leadership development training that you offer? So the three types, well, there's actually several different things that we do, but the, the focus for us is really about leader development. That's our workshops or our training classes. But to, to make that more effective, it's got to be through the one-on-one coaching. And the one-on-one coaching that we do is what has really set us apart from a lot of other even coaching and development organizations is that we don't just group coach. It's not like we got, uh, you know, we may do that at times. We've done group coaches. We have five senior leaders in a room and we coach them through that. But what comes better of that is when we can take something like our communication model, we teach it in a workshop and we walk through exercises with it. And then the rest of the month I spend coaching individual leaders on those particular elements of Mm. the model. So then we are, are practically putting things in place. I do a lot of coaching. So our, our cohort, our group of young professionals is one thing, and we do that with them. But we're, now we've taken this and expanded it to a large business, and we're, we're, we're expanding nationwide to be able to do this. Some of it's virtual, some of it's in person. And we take uh, that time, and then those folks have to, to email us back with information about what they learned from that session. And I email them back with the information that I got out of that session. And then they are the, the next 30 days are working through all those elements that we coached the next month we coach again, or the next month we have a workshop and then we coach again. And that's the element that I think is the, the, the biggest thing for us as an organization. The third element we do is, is speaking. And I, I travel the country. I've done this for now 10 years, traveling the country, speaking about what we're doing, just like I'm doing now on this podcast but also uh, delivering messages on leadership development, messages on employee engagement, uh, customer and patient satisfaction, those kind of things throughout organizations around the, around the country and hopefully eventually around the globe. Amen. Amen. So your job basically is to present the information and then those that are interested, you narrow it down to work with them one-on-one? 
hopefully one-on-one and we, like I said, we do groups, but I love to do large workshop groups where I've got a, a whole organization or all, like I'm going to be in, like I was telling you earlier off, off recording that I'm going to be up in, in Michigan next week. And I'm working with a group there where I'll sit with about 30 leaders in a room and we'll do a workshop for, um, you know, three or four hours. But then I also spend the rest of the month um, coaching individuals in that organization one-on-one through through virt- virtually uh, about what we talked about and what they need to do to grow and be leaders. So that's the goal is, mm-hmm. is to go to the large workshops, but then also to narrow it down to those one-on-one opportunities. Amen. Amen. So I noticed one of the areas is decision-making and critical thinking. And, and I, I love that. I mean, I know the great, as I share, the great leaders I served under, they emphasized to gather as much information as possible in the time you have, mm-hmm. process it and make the decision. You know, my hero in the cab, you know, part of our officer development was we had to read. The yeah. commander required us to read at least one leadership book every month. Right. Sure. And wow. uh, I, I chose to study everything I could find about one of the greatest cavalry officers of all time, General George Patton. Right. Oh, yeah. And one thing he said that that stuck with me, I used it all through my military time, all through my law enforcement career, is a good decision implemented now is better than a perfect solution tried later. You know? yeah. and, and what type of training and training scenarios does Leadership 10 use to teach your students the critical thinking and decision making model? Yeah, so... It- you know, it's interesting that, that we have four elements that we do with our, our cohort group, which is our young professionals that we do for free. Um, it, it's values, it's communication, it's it's culture, and it's roles in decision-making. What we found out is that in a lot of organizations, and, and then, of course, now we're taking that to, to lots of organizations and expanding beyond that. But the idea of, of, of decision-making is, is sometimes difficult in organizations because people don't understand their role and they don't understand their responsibility. So when we started out with this kind of talking about how to make good decisions, we actually had to backtrack a little bit as we developed this and realize it's about the roles and responsibilities. What, who, whose responsibility is it for this decision or whose role is it for this decision? And there's a big difference. People look at their roles and responsibilities as being the same and they're not. My role might be a CEO. My responsibilities are this. My role might be a, a CFO, chief financial officer, but my, and my responsibilities are this. But then when you get down to other levels in organization, managers and directors, Sometimes they don't know what their full role is, or it's not been clearly defined for them. And so then they step outside of a role or step outside of their responsibilities and they start making decisions that affect the organization. And it's not something that they're supposed to be a part of. Right. So 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 we go in and we coach them. First of all, we we establish this organizational structure and we make sure that people understand their roles and responsibilities. And and if they've changed, has it been updated that it's changed? And now, you know, now Mark's in charge of this and Robert used to be in charge of that. So so, you know, Sally over here is going to Robert for that and doesn't realize the role and responsibility has changed to Mark. And now it's confusing. Right. And then she gets frustrated because she brings you all this and you're like, well, that's not my job anymore. That's Mark's job. Oh, now she's got to go over to Mark and do that. So it's really the foundation of this good decision-making is know where you fit in the organization and then be able to go through what we do, several different exercises to help people be better at decision-making. Mm-hmm. I think the key in decision-making in that is having good critical thinking skills. And so we do some critical thinking exercises and things to walk people through how they think about things, how they perceive things, and then how they make decisions. Amen. And there's generalized scenarios that you could use, or do you try and come, come up with some specific to the organization that you're trying to help? 
Well, and sometimes that's difficult. So in our, our, our free development program that we do, it, it's very hard to go organizationally because like we're starting one this Saturday. We'll start our spring semester this Saturday. And we have six people in this group and all six of them are from different organizations and different businesses. We have some in education. We have some that work for the county. We have one that's in the Air Force. I mean, so it's a very diverse. So there it's more specifically um, just general exercises that we've you know developed over time. If we go into your organization, there's 12 people there. We try to find the scenarios that fit the organization so that it makes it a little bit more relevant. And then when we do roles and responsibilities like that, it's really great because then you are identifying what your role is. And then I go to I go to Sally and I say, hey, Sally, what do you think Robert's job is? What do you think his role is? And, and she says, well, I think it's this, this and this. And you're like, well, it's that, but it's not this over here. Right. And so then somebody else comes and you know, and, 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 you know, Tom over here comes over here and says, well, I think this is what Robert's responsibility is. So they. They interact with each other in such a way that they begin to realize, I thought this is what you were supposed to do and you're doing this. And so people don't know those things because they don't have that kind of communication. Amen. Amen. When I've spoken on on team building various conferences, as I said, I I try to emphasize the, the, the development of the talent and resources, the people that you currently have. And like I said, the military system of leadership development of allowing the people who work under us to take on smaller projects and mm-hmm. allow them to identify, you know, who they need to go to for those answers, uh, you know, well, right. go to the motor pool, find out right. down there, you know, not, right. not to the electronic shop type thing. Right. Right? Uh, right. And I, I, you know, that works a lot better than telling them who to go talk to, you know? And so, you know, like, you know, you got someone that's uh, gathering sales and, and accounting figures, you say, okay, I need this report by the end of the day. Just mm-hmm. you know, find out what the stats were for last week. Right. Well, if noon comes and they're still sitting at their desk, they're trying to look through things on the computer and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, come back and ask me if you're having a problem. I'm not going to yeah. tell you go talk to Tom in accounting, right. but we'll sit there and like, well, we're talking about numbers and and mm-hmm. financials. Who who do you think would be able to handle that? Uh, I guess maybe accounting. Okay. Yeah. We'll find out. Now I didn't tell her to go see Tom in accounting. She right. may bounce around to six different people in accounting until she ends right. up at Tom's office. Right. Sure. Know? Yeah. Yeah. But then when she comes back, oh, I got this report done. Oh, great. How yeah, mm-hmm. I I end up talking to Tom and he gave me all the numbers I needed. And yeah. now next time you give her that report, where's she gonna go? Yeah. Straight to Tom. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, we've experienced that even <laughs> ourselves as an organization. So here we are teaching roles and responsibilities, and then as we've grown now, we've realized that between Rob and Diane and myself as partners, that we have responsibilities that we need to figure out because it would be like, hey, we need to change this on the website. And I'd look at Diane and she'd look at me and, and I'd say, well, can you do that? And she'd say, yeah, I can do that. But then we decided, you know what? I'm going to be the responsible for the website. I So not not our website's being redone. So anybody that goes to our website, don't don't think that it's it's not professional. It's work, We're working on it. But um you know, I'm now responsible for that. So when something needs to be updated, nobody goes, well, who's going to do that? I say, well, Mark's going to do that automatically. Rob's our finance guy. He's going to take care of our, our W-2s now this time of year. He's going to take care of our paychecks or whatever. It's that d- delineation, I guess, between that, that helps us then make better decisions as an organization, better decisions. I was even, so I'm reading Galatians and Ephesians this week. Um, and, and Paul, as he's writing to the Galatians and Ephesians, uh, so many times, it's amazing how many times he does this. He's defending himself and telling his role and responsibility. My role is to preach to the Gentiles, right? That was his thing, even though he's a Jew, right? Or he, he was Jewish. 
Peter's role. That's not Peter's role. That's Paul's role. So he's distinguishing himself and saying, it's okay if you want to come over here, but I'm responsible for these people because that's where God sent me. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's so true. How, how does the leadership 10 emphasize the importance of retaining key talent? You know, because in this culture that we're in now, you know, the, the, the old way of, you know, you go to work for a company and you're there for 40 years and then you retire with a pension, you know, a lot of people get in there and, you know, you start relying on them and then they go to the next, the the next company down the street type thing. How, how do you emphasize the importance of retaining key talent in the organizations of the people you're trying to help? You know, it's been a a struggle for these last couple of years with, with our, our, our world as it's changed with the employment, you know, people were, we were lacking employees for so long. Now we've got so many job openings and now we're trying to hire the right people and trying to keep the right people. And now I'm, you know, the organization I just talked about in Michigan, they're dealing right now where they're going to, they could lose some people who can go to a, a company 30 miles away and make $10 more an hour. We making $10 more an hour, $400 a week. That's huge in, mm-hmm. in the overall scheme of, so how do you retain those kind of people? And it's really about building the organization that people don't want to leave. Um, no matter how much. Now, I mean, I can't fault people for going, I need to feed my family. I need to go make $400 more a week. That's a big chunk of change for a lot of people. But at the same time, are they leaving because of that? Or are they leaving because the organization itself is not a great place to work? And so for me, retaining talent is number one about creating the environment that people don't want to leave. I mean, they only are going to leave when they're reluctant to leave only because financially they have to go do this or or something else has changed in their world that says, I, I got to go over here and work because I need to be close to my, my family to take care of them, my mom and dad or something. If they're leaving for any other reason, then you probably have an organization that isn't a great place to work. And so we want to do that first. We want to build that organization, build that culture, which is why culture is one of the big areas that we spend a lot of time with organizations. The other is this, there's three things that every employee wants in their leader. Three things, they wanna know who you are, they wanna know you're good at what you do, and they wanna know you care about them. Now, what does that mean? So if Robert, you're, you're, my, you're my leader, I wanna know who you are. That means I wanna know that you're, you're honest and trustworthy. I wanna know who you are, are you a fun person? Are you a serious person? I, I wanna know you. And that's that part of, even if you think about our communication model, that's connection, that's listening. Are you paying attention to those kind of things and letting people know who you are? The next I want to know is, are you good at what you do? Are you a good leader? Okay, if you're not a good leader, are you trying to become a better leader? Now, I'm okay that you're new to the job. Maybe you don't lead real well yet, but are you becoming better? And the third one, everybody knows this one is, do you care about me? Do you care about what's important to me? Not just care about me, but care about what I care about. You know, if... if um, if having time with my family is very important, are you willing to maybe flex my time so I can go to a kid's track meet um, and then come back to work after that? Or, you know, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. You care about what's important to me. So those three things, I think, plus the fact that we create a culture where people don't want to leave. They were reluctant to leave because they're, they don't know what they're going to encounter. Those are the things I think are going to keep people. Amen. Amen. And, and this works, you know, not just for subordinates, but aspiring leaders as well. I mean, it's so important to learn the roles of the next position that you desire to achieve. You know, the, and I think that, well, you have an area called leadership next level training that you teach. Is that what that is all about? So leadership next level is really about how are you preparing for that next, next role? Or if you're the leader, and again, it's Robert, Robert's my boss, I'm in a position 
I can't go anywhere in this organization. Say the organization is small. The only position I can take is yours. Well, you're not going to retire for many years now, or you're not leaving the organization. So where do I go? Are you as a leader doing everything you can to develop me, even though I can't move up in the organization? In other words, I'm ready to. And even, even as a leader, and this is a hard one. Am I willing to train you so well that you might leave and go to another organization because there's a position there for you? Am I willing to take that chance? And to me, that's good leadership. I, I risk losing you, but I'm going to invest everything I can in you. Here's my, my, my key phrase in that. The degree to which you invest in people is the degree to which you value them. Mm-hmm. If you don't value people, you're not going to invest in them. So think about who you're investing in in your organization and who you're not and realize that the people you're not investing in are going to feel very undervalued. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Explain to us what generational leadership is in the L10 model. Yeah. So generational leadership is, is really not a, a phrase that we've coined by any means, but it's really about, are we able to lead multiple generations? So now in our workforce, we have potentially five generations you could have in any environment. You've got your, your, your some of your traditionals are still around. They call them the World War II folks, but most of them are boomers. And then you got your, your Xers and you got your, your millennials and you got your Gen Zs. So there's, there's potentially five uh, of those um people in, in an organization. How do you lead generationally? My, my kids who are a millennial generation, how do they expect a leader to interact with them versus how I expect a leader or how somebody who's a boomer, I'm an extra, how does somebody in a boomer expect leadership to happen? We've got to be able to bridge all those gaps. And so there, there are huge gaps in that. And we've just in research, you'll find that boomers and millennials get along really, really well. Extras like me in the middle, we're the, we're the problem children when it comes to most organizations. That's just statistically. Um, so it's like in every other generation, we kind of go with the Generation Zs a little bit more because uh, there's something, maybe it's the fact that our, my kids are millennials, so I don't get along with millennials. I don't know what that, you know, it's maybe that, or, or my parents are boomers, so I don't get along with boomers, you know, maybe it's that. But um, the, the leadership aspect has to be situational and has to change based on the age and the background of the people that you're working with. Amen. Amen. I, I was reading somewhere about, uh, you know, prior to <clears throat> this, probably probably about the year 2000 or so, people that were in business and CEOs and all that stuff, they're, they're basically, you know, give me the document so I can read it type thing, you know, analog right. all right. the way through, you know, mm-hmm. where people who've come on the scene since then, are used to doing everything online, you know, right. and they're really good at that. And they're looking at everything digitally. <clears throat> Their minds are operating the same way. You know, you have that traditional mindset, like you talked about, you know, the, the baby boomers like I am, mm-hmm. you know, where I need to analyze this, but I'm analyzing it from an analog mindset, right. basically, where today the, the up and comers, you know, that that are really making the push into starting their own businesses and things like that. Now they're looking at everything from, you know, the, the internet concept, you know, that that doesn't mean, you know, it's going to be an internet based business and all that, but they're, they're looking at, I need information. You know, I I can go over here to my concordance, flip it out Mm -hmm. look up all the, you know, or someone just graduating from Bible school and they got it right there in front of them. You know, right. I mean, that's how fast they're gathering right. information and stuff. How do you try and bridge that information gap? 
Yeah, you know, Apostle Paul said, I became all things to all people that I might win some, right? So it's 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 not compromising who we are. Paul Paul would have never compromised who he is, but he he adapted to who he was with, right, in this situation. So if if I'm in if I'm a leading a company and I've got all a bunch of young people who are all digitally savvy and they're wanting text messages and everything by by electronic, I need to be able to um, communicate that way with them. So whether I do it or whether I do it through an assistant or somebody else who can help me do that. At the same time, I mean, I do things very digitally as well. I'm very good at that, but I do, I'm still a little old school in the sense I like a paper. I like to actually mark up a paper and read things that way, even though it's electronic on my phone. So if my team knows that, they know they can send me the message by electronic, but they also need to print that sheet and have it on my desk so I can read it. Right. So that's that communication gap. That's that that generational gap that says, here's how I can adapt to the way that you do things. I remember when I was in the Air Force, we used to have to print out a report every day on all of our quality control. I worked in a clinical laboratory, so we had all these quality control reports. And sometimes I'm not kidding you, the paper would come out three quarters of an inch thick, the amount of you know uh, paper that would be printed just for this report every day. And, and I realized that was such a waste of resources, although I liked the paper. But I switched to an electronic mode and it took us about four months to where those of us that had to review that every day got used to this electronic and got used to making our adjustments and our notations on electronic format. But the amount of paper we saved was literally hundreds of dollars a month, you know, worth of that. And plus, we didn't have to store it anywhere. We had all these, you know, because you have to keep these logs for, you know, a decade sometimes. So <laughs> imagine the amounts of paper that are being. So it's that adaptation I think we have to be able to realize as leaders. Going back to my, my three things about what everybody wants in a leader. They want to know who you are. Are you good at what you do? And do you care? Are you good at what you do is, are you adaptable? Are you willing to make the changes that are necessary to make the company grow or make the organization grow or invest in people? Amen. Amen. Now, as you said, you all offer both in-person and virtual events, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when someone contacts your organization, say wanting to join the next cohort or whatever, what are the processes involved in being selected and approved for the training that your company offers? Yeah. So, so again, remember there's a business side that we actually charge people money for. That's, that's one aspect of our company. You go to the website, you can see that, but there's a page on our website we call giving forward. It's the, it's what I talked about earlier that started this whole thing. And it's, it's really, if somebody lives in the Panhandle of Florida area, this is where we do things in person only. We've tried doing it with remote people and in person at the same time, it hasn't worked really well. So we're still navigating that. But if you live in the Panhandle of Florida, and in which I say is Pensacola, Destin, Florida, Panama City Beach, that area, um, you go to our website, you fill out an application, and it's if you're between roughly ages of 25 and 40, you've got some professional background, you've got some, you know, not that you're necessarily in a leadership position, but you're striving to be in a leadership position. We do an interview with every one of them. At this by this Saturday, we'll have now 40 people that have gone through this program. We've interviewed probably 70 people to get to that 40. We don't take everybody. We try to make the class very specific. Um, this one happens to be coming up is like mostly women who are married with children in their 30s. It's just that's how the makeup of the class came. Um, we're very excited about that. It's going to be very different. But other times it's been a, a very good mix of men and women, all different uh, facets of the industry. Again, we're trying to reach the seven cultures, seven uh, mountains of culture, which are business, family, education, religion, media, entertainment, government, all of those areas we want, not every class, but at some point we want to have somebody from all of those areas involved in our, our cohort. 
Amen. Amen. And for those not selected, do you refer them to other organizations or are they told to try and reapply later? You know, yeah. So some have reapplied. Yeah. We've had two of them actually reapply and come back for a later time mm-hmm. when there was a better fit for them in the class or there were a better time for them. Many people have, have, we would have selected them, but they couldn't meet the requirements of how many times we meet. We meet once a month and there's specific days. You can't miss a day. Um, but you go to our, our website, which is leadership10, T-E-N, leadership, T-E-N, 10, spelled out, dot org. You'll find all the tabs to our business side, our books, our blogs, as well as our, our giving forward page. We'd love anybody, especially in the panhandle of Florida, to go on that page and you know, let us know you're interested. Amen. Amen. You mentioned earlier that you have a book. What's the book yeah. about? So the book is all about leadership development. Again, my journey from, from 20 years ago, you know, becoming that leader, and, and it's called Set Up. Because as I said, I want people to be set up so they can step into a role of leadership and not have to step up to it. And and so originally the title was Set Up to Step In, but that was too tongue-tied for the the publisher. And I'm so glad they didn't do that because it is tough. So it's just simply set up. And then the subtitle is Leadership Skills for Your Success. So um, you can find that on Amazon uh, as well. But uh, we so we do a little bit of the training from the book, but really it's about our core values, communication, culture, and roles in, in decision-making. Man, how's your organization support? Is it just through the, the fees and stuff like that? So, so remember, yeah, so remember this thing started as a volunteer thing. It was just out of our pocket. We paid for what we do. Then we started the business side of this. The business side, we actually started because we needed to fund what we're doing for free for these professionals. I mean, if you were to pay for the training that we're giving, the, the development that we're giving these folks, we estimated between six and $8,000 somebody would pay for what we're giving them for free yeah. um, twice a year, two semesters. Mm-hmm. So then we formed this business and the business now has, has taken off really well to where I'm full-time in this business. My partners are part-time and this is all I do now. So it is it is funded that as well as yeah. allowed us to grow. We've We've worked with churches. We've worked with government agencies uh, in coaching and development all over the country, hospitals. So we are, are very diverse in that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Mark, I, I could talk to you for hours because I, I love talking about leadership and leadership development, as you can tell, yeah, especially with someone that has a military background. Right. right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But I've got to try and keep it simple and straightforward. You know, as some of the listeners wouldn't understand if we started using all this military jargon. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but if, if someone wanted to reach out to you and, and ask for more information about Leadership 10, the training, yeah. et cetera, mm-hmm. that you offer, how can they get in touch with you? So two ways. One, my email, which is Mark, my first name, M-A-R-K, at Leadership 10, and 10 is spelled out, T-E-N, dot org. Our website, leadership10.org. Um, anytime, just go to the website. That's the best way to get a hold of us because you'll find our emails. You'll find ways to be able to get a hold of us, see what we do, what we're doing in a local area here in Florida, as well as what we're doing all over the country. Amen. I'll put links to all that down in the show notes below. Absolutely. Amen. Folks, leadership starts with the individual. It starts before the individual becomes a leader. Hopefully that's the way it works out. Uh, it starts with the basics. So it, it builds upon experiences. It builds upon the experience of those that are teaching you. They can share strategies and ideas and experiences that they've learned over the years. They can also make share about you know making mistakes that you know that they had to work their way through. I've learned more from the mistakes that I've made than the successes usually. And when someone is able to impart to you years, decades of experience in just a few short months, your learning curve is impacted dramatically. I mean, you can't help but become a better leader in whatever it is you're trying to do. But every leader must make the important decision, the most important decision they could ever make. That decision is to seek advice 
from someone who can help them become a better leader. Mark Noon and his partners at Leadership 10 are doing just that. They're making themselves available to help the next generation of business and nonprofit leaders become, for lack of a better phrase, to be all you can be. Sorry, Mark, for injecting that Army recruiting slogan <laughs> right? in there. But, uh, I told them to aim high or fly high there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I urge you to reach out and get in touch with Mark and his team at Leadership 10. Just drop down the show notes, go to their website. There's a contact form right there where you can fill it out and find out if they're able to help you. Not everyone's a good fit. That's okay. But you won't know unless you reach out. And even if you're not a good fit, I'm sure they have the resources and contacts they can use to introduce you to someone that may be able to help you out. Amen. But it all starts with you going down the show notes, clicking the links right there. Mark, I appreciate your time to take it out of your busy schedule to join us today and, and share all about Leadership 10. And I, I, I just had a great time. I appreciate it. Me too, Pastor Robert. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's always a privilege to, to just share what we're doing, share what God's doing through us. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Folks, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, for Mark Noon and myself, Pastor Bob Romani, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.